When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Now we're going to talk Everton on the show, and I'm delighted to say that he's uh, back with us on the line today. Peter McFarlane from the Blue Room is with us. Uh, Peter, always good to talk to you. Thank you for your time today. Oh, not a problem at all, Paul. And there is plenty to talk about as well. Um, you know, we're going to talk about the women's game shortly. We're going to look ahead, of course, to uh, the big World Cup final tomorrow as well. But we'll talk about the men's game first. Um, and before we do that, I do think it is right, Peter, just to begin today by paying tribute to Michael Jones, the 26-year-old construction worker, a lifelong Evertonian, who was tragically killed working on the Bramley Moor Dock Stadium on Monday. Uh, just devastating news, Peter, for his family and not the news we wanted to hear at the beginning of the week. Yeah, it is absolutely devastating. Um, uh, you know, my, my thoughts and, and be- prayers and best wishes go out to his family, obviously. Um, I've seen like quite a lot, quite a lot of, of tributes online uh, to Michael. Um, I know a few people who, who know him very well from, from, uh, from going away to watch Everton. Um, so certainly, yeah, I just want to want to send my best to his family and friends uh, it, it's an awful thing you know for anyone to go to work and, and not come home it's it's such a sad a sad time for, for everyone involved um, and obviously you know for the people who work with him and everything anyone who, who would have had to have witnessed it it's it's such a such a horrible time I mean what one thing I would say is that the response that I've seen on social media from um, not just from from Evertonians but from from people throughout the city throughout throughout the country to be honest with you I've seen that Aston Villa, a, 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 a lot of their fans have have come together and, and are going to be paying tribute to him um, at our match tomorrow, which is which is great to see, especially in this day and age where you know football fans get a bit of a bad rep and there's there's a lot of rivalry and things. I think something like this kind of brings everyone together, and um, certainly the response that I've seen online has been has been impeccable, and and it's it's such a lovely. It says a lot about about the lad himself uh, about Michael himself when you see these stories and and these lovely um lovely tributes to people paying um I saw that you know Jurgen Klopp and the Liverpool team went down I think it was yesterday or this morning to to go to Bramley Moor to lay some flowers I know Sean Dyche has been down there as well with Ian Snowden and Graham and, and Graham Stewart um 
I think it's kind of touched everyone in the city, certainly with him being so young and and just just going to work. And, and obviously he would have been so excited to have been working on Bramley Mordock as well, building our new home. Um, so certainly, you know, he, his memory will live on um, with that stadium when it's when it's finally completed. I'm sure that there will be some kind of you know permanent tribute for him. Um, because he certainly, you know, he, he deserves it. Someone who's who's followed Everton home and away, uh, and, and yeah, as I say, I just want to send out me, me, me respect and, and my love to his family and friends. Absolutely, and I believe there is a GoFundMe page that has been set up to raise money in Michael's memory. Everton Football Club have also stated that there will be a lasting tribute to Michael as well. That will be created in his memory, and I believe there is an expectation, Peter, that there will be a minute's applause for Michael in the twenty-sixth minute of tomorrow's game. I believe. Yeah, there will be. Um, I, I've just actually seen a clip on um, on Twitter or X, as you call it now, of the Liverpool fans have actually have actually done that this afternoon at Anfield, which is a, a fantastic touch. Um, I think that you know they held up a, a flag, um, in you know de- dedicated uh, to, to Michael, um, and they held a minute's applause. So that's that's again, it just shows that's that's a touch of class from the Liverpool from Liverpool Football Club and the Liverpool fans. Um, but yeah, Evertonians will all be coming together tomorrow to, to pay our own respects, and uh, and yeah, and the Villa fans as well. Mm. Say that the Aston Villa fans have seen a lot of posts online where Aston Villa fans have have, have jumped on this and, and and really want to want to pay tribute themselves. Um, so I say it's it, it's it's lovely to see it's such horrible circumstances, but you know if, you know if anything, um, you, at least the family will know that the people are there to support them and and people are sending their their, their love. And clearly our thoughts are with Michael's family at this incredibly sad time. So good words there, Peter. Many thanks for that. Let's go back to last Saturday. Uh, Let's talk about Everton's opening game of the season. It was a 1-0 defeat, of course, against Fulham. Clearly disappointing, Peter, to lose that game. But, you know, Everton created so many chances against Fulham. What was your take on Everton's performance? Do you know what it was? It was? It was so disappointing. But it was a different kind of disappointment, if that makes sense, because I, the amount of times we went into games last season and we just didn't create anything. Um, you know, even Fulham at home last season, to what you know, in the second half of last season, they played us off the park. The, that last Saturday was was different. We did create so many chances, we just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. You know, we had a goal disallowed, which I still can't understand why it was disallowed. I can't understand where the foul was supposed to be. You know, we hit the bar. Neil Morpay had had a number of chances. Um, after like the core, he had a couple of really good chances, and that was the thing as well. It wasn't like these were half chances. It's not like we were, you know, we were lucky getting lucky breaks and things like that. We worked the ball really well, and we created. We opened Fulham up really. You know, it, it was it was great football to be honest. Um, which is why it's so frustrating because we came out of that game thinking how have we lost that. Um, which which again, it kind of for me. As disappointing as the result was, I'm not feeling too disheartened because I can just see that the way we were set up, the the you know the way the team was set up, the way we were organised at the back, the way we went forward, and the way we counter attacked, I actually think that we looked okay. Uh, we just need to add a few more players in that final third because obviously, you know, at the end of the day, we need to score goals, and and that was our Achilles heel last season. Um, at least now I can, you know, in that in that opening game we were able to create chances, but we just need someone to put those chances away now, um, which is obviously so vital. 
Absolutely. And after the game, Sean Dyche did refer to the fact that Everton had created a number of high-quality chances. He talked about a very dominant chance count for Everton. Uh, But I do share your sentiment about the disallowed goal because I think it's very harsh, isn't it, to blame Tarkovsky for impeding the keeper. When you look at that uh, replay back, it did seem very, very harsh on Tarkovsky. Oh, it was. It was. And again, it, it kind of brings into question yet again about what the point of VAR is. Um, I actually believe, looking at the replays, the referee, basically, I don't think it was it was allowed to go to VAR because the referee actually blew up too early. So he blew up before the ball had gone into the back of the net, which kind of meant that VAR wasn't able to intervene, which again shows the le- level of incompetency, if you like, of the officials. Um, I've seen something this week about Howard Webb was talking about about referees and about how you know they're going to be clamping down on on people you know approaching referees and, and giving referees stick. As much as I'm in favour of that, because we don't want to see anyone getting getting abuse. The flip side of that is is that the referee decisions in themselves. I mean, we're only a week into the Premier League season. We saw the decision, you know, in our game against Fulham. We then saw Wolves against Manchester United, where the Wolves player gets absolutely wiped out by by Onana and goal for United. Um, these types of decisions, they, they they talk about clear and obvious. In my opinion, it's either a foul or it isn't a foul. Now, the Anana one, you know, in the Wolves v United game, was as clear a foul as you'll ever see. The flip side is, is that the Tarkovsky so-called foul, the ghost foul, um, there's nothing in it at all. So these decisions, it's all very well and good saying about clamping down on the referees, you know, getting abuse and getting stick. Um, obviously, I don't want to see anyone getting abuse, but you know, they need to look at themselves and they need to see how they can improve and how they can be a bit more transparent in terms of their decision making and, and then maybe the frustrations will, will negate slightly. Um if if referees are answer, answer you know, it feels like they don't have to answer to anyone at the moment. Um, which means that when these mistakes happen, we've got no guarantee that they won't happen again. Um that that is something that really needs to be solved and, and needs to be sorted. As I say, they talk about clear and obvious. It's very simple, it's either a foul or it isn't a foul. When you look at the positives uh, from the game last Saturday, 19 shots at goal, nine on target. Uh, Fulham were denied any chances in the first half, but it's imperative, isn't it, Peter, that the players can now build upon that performance and push on as the, as the season progresses? It is, yeah. And, and as I say, that's why I'm, I'm not going to be too disheartened myself and certainly wouldn't want the players to feel that way. Um, on another day, as uh, touched on before, Neil Moore, I could have had a hat-trick. It was one of those games where... I feel like with Neil Morpa, he just needs one to go in somehow, whether if, whether he falls over and it goes in off his back, which we saw happen with Umani Aswant. Um, you know, he, he just needs something to go his way. But, yeah, certainly the players shouldn't be too disheartened. I know it's a, it's frustrating. Um, we don't want to be losing home games in particular, but certainly not the opening game of the season. But, as I say, just the the, oh, the grand scheme of things and, and, and looking at taking a step back and looking at the overall game, I actually think that we did OK. Um and certainly it's something that we can build on. Just going back to Neil Morpé as well, I think it's it's right that you mention him because, you know, he's been heavily criticised by sections of the fan base in recent months as well. Um, yes, he couldn't finish the job last Saturday, but you couldn't fault his efforts in front of goal, could you? No, you couldn't. Uh, again, I, I feel for Neil Morpé in particular because I just don't think that he's suited to, to our sort of style, if you like. I don't think that, you know, it's playing up front on his own um, 
just doesn't suit his the way he plays the game. I, th- I feel like he needs to have someone else up front with him. He needs to be playing off someone. He likes to get into a little pocket of space. I think in terms of his link up play, I think that's where he's strongest. Um, you know, playing little one twos on the edge of the box and getting a shot off. I don't think he's particularly great with his back to goal. What, but as you say, the amount of effort you can't you you can't question his effort and his work rate. Certainly from last week, I think he put you know he's probably one of his strongest performances in the Everton shirt. He was absolutely everywhere. He, he he really did run himself into the ground while he was on the pitch. And on a, on another day, he, he could have had a hat trick. So I do feel for him. And as I say, if he was if he was to to leave Everton um, and go somewhere else, I'm sure he'd start scoring goals again. If if he just played in a system which maybe suited him a bit better. Um, it looks like Everton are, are interested in someone like Che Adams, who I've seen some people compare Che Adams to Neil Morpay in terms of, you know, people have been a bit, you know, a little bit negative about potentially bringing Che Adams in. I actually think that Che Adams is a totally different kind of player. He's someone who occupies defenders. He's someone who's a threat. He's someone who who can bring other players into the game, and he's actually quite strong. I think he's only five foot nine, but he, he still uses his, you know, physicality very well, and he's got a goal in him. Um, so as I say, going back to Neil Morpay, if he stays at Everton, I think we'll see the best of him when he's playing up front with someone else, um, when he's got someone who can take the burden off, off him in terms of being able to you know, hold the ball up and in terms of winning, winning the first ball. Um, I think that's where you see the best of Neil Morpay. Um, but as I say, if he does move on, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll, he'll start banging in the coals wherever he goes. Yeah, possibly. He just needs one goal and, as they say, the rest will come. Um with Dominic Calvert-Lewin absent once again last Saturday, of course, the need to recruit a striker was clear for all to see, I think, last weekend. You talk about Shea Adams. Um, we believe Everton are in talks to sign Shea Adams from Southampton for £12 million. Um, He scored 25 Premier League goals in four seasons for the Saints before their relegation in May. Um, and he scored two goals in three games so far this season. We know that there are just under two weeks to go, Peter, until the transfer window closes. Realistically, in your view, do you expect to see further signings? And we'll talk about Jack Harrison in a minute or two, because a lot of the talk now is about Shea Adams and that need to sign a striker. Do you think we're going to see more transfer activity before the window closes at the end of the month? I think we will, and I think it's imperative that we do. Um, you know, we've we're only one game into the season. We can already see that those issues about being able to finish these, you know, chances, um, which, as I said before, was our Achilles heel last season. It's so imperative that we get those types of players in. Obviously, you know, the addition of Arnold Danjuma will, will hopefully help with that. Um, but we need to get him up to full fitness. I feel I feel like he will actually be able to make a very good impact on Everton as well. He certainly looked lively when he came on last weekend. Um, but yeah, it's, it's imperative that we get more players in, and and even just in terms of competition as well. I mean, you know, we talk about Dominic Calvert Lewin. One of the issues that he's had massively is has been that he's been rushed back far too many times because we've been so over reliant on him, um, which has meant that he hasn't been able to to you know complete his his. Um, his rehabilitation correctly. He's, he's been rushed back in and then picked up more injuries. So it is imperative that we that we get him fully fit, which I think is why Sean Dyche is kind of is being very very cautious with him. Um, he doesn't want to put too much pressure on him. And as I say, if you bring other other players in for competition for places, one it takes the pressure off Calvert Lewin. Two, it actually means that he's got to step up as well when he does come back because he's going to be fighting for his place. But as I say, also it just gives us that. You know those different kinds of options, um, which we've been so lacking for for a number of years now. 
And it's got to be the right approach, that, hasn't it, Peter, just to give Calvert-Lewin time to generally get back into full fitness. And, you know, we'll see what develops as the season continues. Um, let's talk about Jack Harrison, because uh, this week Everton signed a winger on a season-long loan from Leeds United. Jack Harrison is that player, 26 years of age. Um, he's not ready to play yet, is he, because of a minor hip injury. But what do you hope that, um, that he will bring to the squad? Well, I think I think first and foremost, he's he's a very sh- sort of Sean Dice type of player. He, he works hard. Um, you know, when you look at his, his running stats and in terms of the amount of effort that he puts in uh, week in week out, you know, certainly for Leeds, I think he's one of their standout performers. Um, consistency, obviously, can you know can can leave players sometimes when you know if if he's playing week in week out. But again, it's it's handy that we've got numerous players in that position as well. So Dwight McNeil is out at the moment. I'm sure he will. He will relish having a bit of competition in his position as well. Um, you know, when, when they're both fully fit. But I think I think Jack Harrison certainly for me was one of the the standout performers for Leeds last season um, and and for a number of seasons. He was the player who I who I was really excited with when we were linked with him. Um, Willie Monto as well, another one who we've been linked with. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him uh, because again he's a, he's another another exciting player who who's got bags of pace and bags of potential. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Whether we can we can sort out a deal. Um, he certainly seems to be trying his very best to get the moves to Everton, which is uh, which is always a good sign when a player really wants to join you. But um, but yeah, Jack Harrison, very very excited with that signing, um, and it feels like it's it's quite a good. It's it's a well structured signing as well, which which is a loan at first with the option to buy or the obligation to buy uh, at a decent price as well. So yeah, I, th- I think Harrison certainly ticks all the boxes for me. He's the right age. You know, bags of experience, even at his young age, uh, he's got a lot of attributes which will which will come in handy for Everton Football Club. And I believe that Everton financially are not under any pressure to have to sell players at this particular time. But what's the word then on Amadou Anana? You mentioned it before. Speculation that Manchester United might want to sign the midfielder. I believe Everton have not as yet received an offer for Onana. But uh, what's the words as to whether you think that he will depart, Goodison? I, I, I suppose it's one of those those where if the right offer comes in, I think anyone would probably be, be you know, you know, we'd listen to offers just just because of the, the the financial situation that we found ourselves in over the over the past few years. For me, Amadou Onana with the length of his contract and certainly with the with the ceiling that he has, I think he's got a very high ceiling in terms of where he can be, where he can progress as a footballer. Um, I don't think we should be in any rush to to sell him. Um, certainly, he would be one of the players who. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years' time he, he, he did move on. Certainly, if we if we weren't improving in the right direction and we weren't, you know, we weren't getting towards the top end of the table, I think I think he would be a player who who would attract the interest of a number of teams. Um, which again might be a reason why the likes of Man United might come for come in for him now. Um, but I certainly wouldn't wouldn't expect us to sell him on the cheap if we were to let him go. We've we've got also got a factor in that you know the the deal that. When we signed him, when we signed Amadou Anana, um, it included a twenty percent on twenty percent sell on fee as well. Um, so that's something else to consider. So I think it would take a, a massive offer to prize him away from Everton at this stage. Um, as I say, certainly with the length of his contract and everything like that, he's not someone we should be in a in a rush to sell. Um, the flip side of that is if we can get good money for him and we're able to reinvest that into a player who can or players who can make an immediate impact. Um, certainly with Amadou. He's still finding his feet in the Premier League. He's still so young. He's very raw. 
um, you know, there might be a temptation to cash in just so that we can reinvest the money um, in players who are ready to hit the ground running straight away. But my personal opinion is you keep hold of them because I just don't think I don't think any bid that comes in from now would reflect the you know the potential that he has in terms of how where he can be as a footballer in five years time. And we're talking to uh, Peter McFarlane from the Blue Room about all things Everton uh, this afternoon. Uh, Peter, just want to get your thoughts on, uh, we talk about, you know, Everton's need to sign a striker. And just over a week ago, Everton signed uh, Youssef Chermiti uh, from Sporting Lisbon on a four-year deal worth £15 million. He's 19 years of age. As I say, a Portuguese international. He broke through at Sporting Lisbon last season. He scored three league goals and made 22 appearances in all competitions. Are you looking forward to seeing what we're going to get from Chimiti when he gets onto the pitch? Absolutely. Um, I think one thing to bear in mind as well is that he's a young a young kid coming into a new league. So I think Dice just said himself it might be a slow burner in terms of trying to integrate them into the side and getting them up to full full speed. Um, obviously, with his age as well, um, it, it's going to be it's going to be quite a leap for him in terms of the physicality and everything else in the Premier League. Um, certainly, coming from Porto, or sorry, from from Sporting Lisbon, um, you know they're one of the top sides in, in Portugal. So it, it's going to be a different kind of um, <laughs> a different kind of thing coming into the Premier League, which is so physical and which is so you know there's, there's so much competition. Um, Certainly, every every team you come up against, every single defender you come up against is 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 going to be giving you a, a, a you know <laughs> it's going to be giving you a tough test. So it's going to take time. I think we've got to be patient with him. But certainly, when you look at his attributes, he's got he ticks a lot of the boxes in terms of the type of player that Sean Dyche will want in that side. He's tall. Um, you know, his link up play is very good. Um, again, he's even for his size, he's very, he seems very quick. I mean, I haven't seen enough of him to be able to, to give you a full <laughs> full scouting report on him but certainly um, you know it's an exciting signing probably the type of signing as well that we've you know these types of signings are ones that we that we haven't done um, properly over the last four or five years we've spent a lot of money but it, we, we tended to spend our money in the wrong places where we were buying players who were coming in towards the end of their careers or or looking, looking for one final payday uh, whereas my opinion has always been that we need to find young hungry players who are, who are who are hungry to prove themselves, um, and he certainly you know falls into that category. So it's it's a very interesting signing, it's an exciting signing. Uh, we do have to be patient with him, but but yeah, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing him progress and and seeing how he gets on over over the next sort of couple of seasons. And actually, this is uh, what Dice said about Chimiti. He says that he is a talented young striker who can add a different dimension to our squad. But Dice went on to say that he is still a teenager. He is still learning the game, which we will be mindful of. But we think he has the raw talent and the ingredients to be a very good player. And that's why we are pleased to have signed him for Everton. And as you say, Peter, it is the way how Sean Dice can develop this player that is going to be critical, isn't it, to the youngster's success? Absolutely, and I think we've seen before as well when we signed. You know, there have been other players who we signed, and and maybe they haven't been able to develop. Um, you know, just Moise Keane, you know, springs to mind. Sandro Ramirez as well, another one who who came from Spain and and again came with high hopes, but wasn't able to to, to hit those heights. And and um, I think both of those players are, are two examples where we can learn from um, in terms of the pressures that that they're under when they first come in. Um, but I certainly think that Sean Dyche is the right man to be able to take on that challenge and, and certainly in terms of the attributes that Chimithi has, 
I think Sean Dyche could be the perfect manager for him. Um, again, it's it, it's it, it's no small fee. You know, we've we 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 spent you know a decent chunk a decent chunk of change on him, um, but certainly it's not it's not up there with your with your thirty five million pound signing like we did with Moise Keane, where the pressure was on him immediately to make an impact. I think that Chimiti will be given a bit more leeway in terms of being able to develop and and, and maybe be a bit more of a slow burner, but. But certainly, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him and I'm looking forward to seeing what Sean Dice can do with him. And when we talk about some of the younger players, I mean, it is fair to say that quite a number of Everton's younger players have moved on this summer, either on uh, season-long loans or permanent moves. But Jared Branthwaite is a player that had a successful loan period with PSV Eindhoven last season. And of course, this summer, he was part of England's under-21 squad that won the European Championships. I think in terms of what he could deliver for Everton this season, Branthwaite could be incredibly important for Everton this campaign. He could be, yeah. Um, he certainly, I mean, when you, when, you, when you see Branthwaite in person, he's a, he's a really big lad. Um, he's, he's quick, he's, he's good in the air. Um, he, he's very confident in possession as well. He's certainly a player who, who I've got high hopes for. Um, he's still only very young as well, but that year away, PSV will have done in the world of good. Certainly, when he he's kind of broken broken into the Everton first team over the last couple of seasons before he went out on loan, and he's he's never really looked out of place. Um, I know he had a bit of a setback towards the it was the season before last. I think it was against Brentford at home where he he got sent off, um, which again was just kind of unlu- you know an unlucky thing where he was the last man and and he's probably a bit rash. I think decisions like that happen when you're a youngster. Um, you learn from those from those mistakes, and and certainly, as I say, playing for PSV in the in the Champions League in particular will have done him the world of good. Um, and he's certainly you know a player who gives us a, a very good option um, at, at centre half. And it's great to just have that competition again. And and the other thing about it as well is because we do have a couple of players in that position. Um, I know you know Sean Dyche went with um, went with Michael Keane and Tarkovsky last week. I wouldn't be surprised to see if see Branthwaite getting a lot of game time this season. Um, certainly, he's a player who we, we want to keep. He's someone we want to really build a side around. Um, I know that there have been links again with Manchester United have, have supposedly uh, shown some interest in him. Uh, but again, I think it'd take a, a really big, big offer to prize him away from Everton at this stage. Uh, but yeah, again, another player who I'm excited to see and excited to see develop. And also Lewis Dobbin as well. Possibly he could be maybe a little bit further away from getting regular Premier League game time this season. But you never know, that situation could change. Um, Everton's shortage of options up top means that, you know, it's likely that Lewis Dobbin could be in and around the first-team squad this season. Um, do you think we'll see much from Dobbin as the season progresses? Yeah, I think it depends on whether... It, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he did go out on, on another loan. Um, but I think that's dependent on on the business that we do from now till the end of the transfer window. But certainly if Lewis Dobbin were to stay and not, and not go out on loan again, I think he would be getting some minutes. Um, out of all of the, the youngsters, if you like, the you know the sort of under-21s who've been in and around the first team, certainly over the summer, I think Lewis Dobbin, to me, probably looks the most ready to be able to step up and, f- and fill a, a squad role in those attacking positions anyway. Um, I know Tom Cannon um, is, a, is a player who is highly rated, but I think with with Tom, I think he he probably will go out on loan again. Um, I think he he could probably do with another year to develop in the championship. But but Lewis Dobbin, yeah, he's he's a he's an interesting one for me because again, you know, we talk about attributes in terms of what he can offer. He's very direct. He's very fast. 
he's confident on the ball. He doesn't look out of place, to be honest with you. When he's, you know, during pre-season when he was playing with the with the first team players, he, he didn't look out of place whatsoever. You know, he was linking up really well. Um, as I say, he's always on his toes. He's always on the half turn as well, and he's happy to face up a defender and go one on one. So, yeah, he's he's, he's an interesting one, Lewis Cobham for me. I, I think he's he's got massive potential as well. Um, certainly in, in one of those sort of wide forward areas. But yeah, being it all depends on what happens with him now whether he, he believes that he needs to be having first team football so maybe go out on loan again for another season but if he does stay I think yeah I, th- I think he's got a, re- a really good chance of making an impact Absolutely when you look at some of these ages as well Peter you've got Chimiti who's 19 Tom Cannon is 20 Lewis Dobbin is 20 Dwight McNeil 23 James Garner 22 Anana 21 Branthwaite 21 Patterson is 21 as well. Um, you get this sense, don't you, that Everton are building a core of talented youngsters who can grow together in and around the first team. And that's purely, that, that's surely got to be a positive for Everton moving forward. Yeah, it is. And, and again, when you look at the model that we had, certainly under, under Roberto Martinez when he, when he first came in and before we started spending the big money on the machinery, um, we, we actually had a side which included the likes of John Stones, um, Ross Barkley, Gerard Delafeo a young Romelu Lukaku, and kind of like the spine of the team was was made up of of these young players who were who were playing fearless football. To be honest with you, that first season on the Martinez, um, you know, we, we, it was probably some of the best football I've seen. I've seen as an Evertonian. Um, obviously, I, I missed the glory day, the glory years of the eighties. Uh, I was a bit bit, a bit young <laughs> for that, but but yeah. But in terms of in terms of out and out, you know, foot attack and flair and football, um, we did we we were fearless, and I feel like. We kind of lost our way a bit when we were going out spending all this money. We were trying to buy so-called established players um, to the detriment of some of the younger players, uh, which I'm hoping that there's been a lot of talk at Everton about about the structure and about sort of restructuring how the how the youth systems work and and you know having clear pathways to the first team. Um, I think that's the way forward for Everton Football Club. Certainly, if, if um, you know finances are, are slightly constrained. We need to be able to develop develop players. Um, when you look at like the likes of Brighton, you know Brighton's model has been incredible over the last few years, where they're able to bring in these younger players, either either sign them or bring them up through the the, the, the ranks, um, and then sell them for big profits. I think that's probably the way forward for Everton, certainly in the short to long, short to medium term. Um, you know, we need to we need to be developing, and we also need players to know that it's a good place to come and play football and it's a good place to come and develop. But certainly, I think we've got the right manager in that as well. I think Sean Dyche is the type of manager who's, who's able to, to develop players. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just... Uh, it's certainly... I, I feel a lot more confident, put it that way. I feel like we're a lot more stable now than we have been over the last four or five years. OK, well, listen, Peter, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on the women's game in a moment or two, but I just briefly want to look ahead to... Uh, to the game away at Villa tomorrow. It's a two o'clock kickoff at Everton. Uh, we're told by Sean Dyche that Dominic Calvert Lewin is straight back into the thinking for selection after he played 90 minutes in a behind closed doors friendly against Manchester United this week. Uh, Calvert Lewin also became a dad, of course, and Dyche said that he's sure that he's enjoying the process. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is in good shape. He managed to get the end part of his rehab done this week with 90 minutes. On the threat posed by Aston Villa, Dyche says that they are a good outfit, and we know that from last season. 
And in relation to injuries, uh, we believe that uh, Michaelenko has still got a bit to do. Uh, Dan Juma has still got a bit to do to reach real fitness. A lot of the players did get 90 minutes in the week, which was pleasing. Uh, Gomez has got a tightness in his calf, so uh, Dice says we have to be careful with that. Um, they're just trying to get the base fitness right for a few of the players, but they're getting closer to what you would call full fitness. Um you know, clearly Everton can take positives from the Fulham game last Saturday, but against Aston Villa tomorrow, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, I think it's a it's a tricky one with Villa because I really do rate them. I, I think, you know, Unai Emery has done an incredible job since he's got in there. Um, they, I, I mean, they, they were probably a bit of a an outside shout for, for getting into into the top four for me this season just because of the, the progress that they showed under Emery uh, last season. But then... They go into the first game of the season and get absolutely walloped by Newcastle. So it kind of, um, you know, it, it, I feel like they're, they're a dangerous outfit tomorrow, Villa, because they have taken such a such a beating um, in, in their opening game. They're, they're going to want to go out there and, uh, and, and and prove themselves to their supporters. They're going to go going to want to go out there, and it's obviously their first home game of the season. I think they're a dangerous dangerous side to be playing, um, but certainly still, I, th- I think. You know, in terms of how we'll approach this game, I think that Dyche will will look to look to keep things tight and try and hit them on the break. You know, we certainly, you know, looking at last season, we we managed to go away to Brighton, who were massively fancy to to walk, you know, to play us off the park, and we we ended up beating them five one. I'm not saying we're going to get a repeat of that tomorrow, but certainly, I think we'll approach the game in the same way. Um, in terms of trying to soak up the pressure and then hitting hitting Villa on the break. Um, another thing to bear in mind as well, it's, it's sad there. I think Tyrone Mings has, has, has got a, a bad injury. It looked like he'd done his, his knee last last week. So that's a, that's a shame and it's a big loss for Villa. He certainly is a player who keeps them very, very tight at the back and keeps them well organised. So um, that, that will be that will be a huge loss for Villa. But as, but as I say, I think we've just got to concentrate on our own game and, and hopefully we can we can create chances like we did last week, but also take a few. Peter, we're going to talk about the women's game quite rightly because uh, there is a rather large game going on tomorrow for the Lionesses. We'll talk about that in a minute. In terms of Everton's women, uh, their new Super League campaign will begin on October the 1st. Everton will host Brighton on the opening day of the season. Uh, five new signings so far during the summer as Brian Sorensen looks to strengthen his squad. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but are you excited, Peter, about what we're going to get from Everton's women when the season gets underway? I cannot wait. Cannot <laughs> wait, Paul, honestly. Really. Um, it's, uh, it, it feels... It's such a shame, in a sense, because when when the men's season kicks off, obviously we're all excited for the Premier League to come back, but then we've got to wait for like another six weeks until until the WSL starts. So our group chats have been have been lit up over the last few weeks. Where we're putting plans in place to get some new flags done. We're we're coming up with new chants for the new signings. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really it's really exciting. Certainly with the, with the signings that we've made as well. Um, in particular, you know, Piemonte up front. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing her. Olsen as well, another a, a young a young player who who Brian Sorensen knows well. Um, you know, Justine van Havermaat, another great signing. Um, bags of experience, really tall, adds a, adds a new dimension to our midfield. Uh, obviously, to get Emily Ramsey in on a permanent deal, that was massive. It, it just really is a you know, it's, it's an exciting time. Um, Certainly, when you look at when you look at how how well we did last season under under Brian Sorensen, and now he's able to add even more quality to that squad. Um, yeah, it, it certainly it 
certainly looking looking really good for, for Everton women. And there's also a real Scandinavian presence, isn't there, amongst the squad as well? Yeah, <laughs> there is. Yeah, we've we've actually got a um, we've got a flag that we got made last season, which is the Great Danes of Walton Hall Park. Um, but obviously, we've got we've got a few um, we've got you know Norway Norway representatives. We've got um, Swiss representatives in there. Um, a lot of you know our Swedes as well who've just just um, you know Hannah Benison and Natalie Bjorn who've just finished there in the World Cup uh, this morning they beat Australia in the uh, the third place playoff um, so yeah we've got we've got a, a nice mix um, in that squad um, but as I say it's, it, it is such an exciting time and I think one of the other things that really comes across as well we've got Sarah Halpin goes in to do a lot of work. Um, in, in Finch Farm, and she gets so much great content. If you want to check out the, the Everton Women Instagram page um, and, and Twitter page for some of Sarah's work, but um, Sarah tends to, to get like a lot of the personalities of the players as well um, in terms of you know how, how they are as a group and how they interact with each other. And it just seems like a really happy camp. It just seems like a really a really nicely balanced squad of experience of youth and big characters so it's 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 yeah and as I say from a supporters club perspective as well you know these players have, have got so much time for the for the supporters and for the fans and and they appreciate us so much uh, and we appreciate them so much as well because of how much time and effort they put into to making sure that we feel a part of it and with the uh, WSL season beginning on October the 1st um the, the Women's Super League teams, they're now in pre-season, playing a number of friendlies, and Everton began their pre-season campaign with a 3-1 win over Burnley last Sunday. Uh, that game was notable as well, Peter, because it was the first game back for defender Gabby George. Um, she uh, sustained a hamstring injury last April. Great to see Gabby George back. Clearly, it's been a tough few months for Gabby, but she's delighted, isn't she, to be back playing for Everton? Absolutely, and, and Gabby's been such a such a consistent player for Everton um, for the past four or five years. Uh, she's been she's been absolutely incredible. One of the first names on the team sheet every time. I, I feel that the Gabby should have should be given more of a chance in that Lionesses squad. Even though the Lionesses are getting to a World Cup final, that's you know I, I still believe that there's a there's a place in that squad for, for Gabby George, which which kind of says it all as to how highly I think of her. Um, but I think Gabby, yeah, it, it, it's great to see her back and. And certainly, she's had a couple of injuries over over the years. Uh, she had a she was out for 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 nine months with an ACL injury, uh, which but she came back from that and and has been incredible ever since. So I'm sure she's looking forward to getting back back into WSL action um, and hitting the ground running for for this season. But again, certainly another player who who we all think so highly of and, and someone who who always gives absolutely everything every time she wears the Everton shirt. Absolutely. And of course, uh, throughout the season, Peter, I know we'll follow the progress of events at uh, Walton Hall Park and clearly from October, fans can get down to watch Everton women and I'm sure they'll be um, they'll be hugely entertained as a result. Um, let's talk about the Lionesses because England on the brink of making history, of course. The Lionesses now less than 24 hours away from their first ever World Cup final when England plays Spain at 11 o'clock tomorrow. And I think, Peter, you know, the fact that England are in the final tomorrow is testament, isn't it, to the incredible work that Serena Wiegmann and her players have achieved together over the past couple of seasons. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look at the, when you take into account as well, the amount of injuries um, to, to key players as well, going into this World Cup, uh, Leah Williamson, the, you know, the captain, uh, Beth Mead, who was absolutely on fire in the Euros last summer. Uh, these are these are players who who 
you know, it, it, it would have been very easy for England to let their heads drop, but the other players who've come in, to, who've come in have, have really stepped up to the to the plate. Um, it's going to be an interesting one tomorrow as well to see how Serena starts, um, whether she keeps Ella Toon in the side, who scored a fantastic goal in the semi-final, or whether she brings Lauren James back, who's, who was uh, missing the last couple of games with suspension. Um, it, it's an interesting one, but again, it's, it's great to have those sorts of options. But certainly, in t- I mean, I, I went to a lot of the Euros games last summer. You know, I was able to, to take in the atmospheres and, and look at look at how people responded and, and how the how the attendances grew as the tournament went on, and and looking at the response to the lionesses and 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 I just you know it, it's so I'm so proud of of each each one of those players who who were able to perform at such a high level under such pressure. Um, but they they, are, they really are a credit to, to our country and and certainly you know great role models for for girls and boys up and down the country. And I mentioned on the show before um, how much Serena Wiegmann has been through in the last twelve months because her sister died just a few weeks before the start of Euro 2022 last year, which, of course, England went on to win. And then, you know, you talk about the injuries, Leah Williamson, the top scorer, Beth Mead, Fran Kirby as well. You've got the injury to Kira Walsh and then that two-match suspension for Lauren James. And yet nothing seems capable of stopping the Lionesses as they continue to move forward. Um, Do you believe that Lauren James should start for England tomorrow? I... I'm torn with it, to be honest with you. Put it this way, in Serena, I trust. Whatever Serena Vigman decides will be the right decision because I just think that, you know, in terms of in terms of what she's done for the Lionesses and in terms of what she's done for women's football as a whole, I think she'll, you know, I, I fully trust her to make the right decision. There's two ways of looking at it. Obviously, Lauren James has got such explosive um, impact in terms of what she can do, do on, a, on a football pitch. She's absolutely incredible. Um, she has she has been for, for a number of years. I remember seeing her playing for Manchester United when she was still only a teenager before she moved to Chelsea. And she was absolutely incredible then. Um, but certainly in terms of the impact that she had before that red card in this tournament, um, you know, it, it's there for all to see, you know, in terms of the quality that she has. Having said that, as I say, Ella Toon, has come in and done a, a fantastic job in the semi-final and uh, you know it's it's a tough decision um, put it this way regardless of who starts if, if, if Lauren James starts or if she comes off the bench we've got great options to be able to bring on um, if, if things aren't going our way or if we need to finish Spain off so it, it's an interesting one but certainly on Serena Wiegmann as well um, she she genuinely just if, if anyone if you, if you watch any of her interviews any of her uh, any of the content, which which includes Serena, you can see why all the players absolutely adore her. Mm. You can see why she gets the best out of these players because she just comes across as one of the most, you know, hum- very humble, but also one of the most knowledgeable people you could ever wish to wish to hear from. So um, I'm certainly very proud of uh, of Serena and and the entire line as a squad. And of course, there is this uh, speculation that Serena Wiegmann could potentially go and manage the USA team, although Serena herself has said that she has no plans to leave the England manager's role. She will see out the rest of the contract, which will last until 2025. So although there is a vacant job uh, to manage the the USA women's team, it's unlikely, I would have thought, that whatever happens tomorrow, that Serena Wiegmann would take up that position. No, I I can't see her going to the USA. Um, I think that Serena... I mean, you know, she's won the Euros with England. She just got to a World Cup final. You know, depending on how it goes tomorrow, she could be. You know, she's she's writing history with the Lionesses, isn't she? Um, she obviously feels that she's got the backing of the FA. She feels settled. She she obviously 
has a, has a squad of players who, who think so high of her. I, I can't see her going to going to the USA. Um, certainly in terms of where USA are at the moment as well. I, I wouldn't. I don't think she should touch that job with a barge pole. I just feel that that um, there's so much work to be done with USA. I think the standards are so high there in terms of their expectations and and what they expect to happen. Um, I think they've been far too used to getting things their own way for a long, long time in terms of being able to turn up to World Cups and win them without much competition. I think that now that the playing field has been levelled um, in terms of the European teams being able to catch up. Um, and, and in terms of progressing, and I think that USA have kind of been left behind in a sense, which is you know kind of reflected in the fact that they had so many of the the older guard, if you like, in the um, in their squad for the World Cup this summer. So I think the USA job is a massive job for whoever whoever goes there. Obviously, I mean money talks, so I'm sure I'm sure USA will try their best to get the get the best possible coach in that position. But as I say, I don't think it's a type of job you can go in and expect immediate results from. I think it's I think it's a, a big, big task for, for whoever comes into that role. Um the other interesting one as well, I've seen that Serena was actually you know, there was a suggestion in one of the papers that she could be in the line for you know, um for taking over from Gareth Southgate eventually. Um my opinion uh, in terms of what, what Serena Viegman can do for English football, uh, she she would not look out of place whatsoever mm. in terms of in terms of being able to lead the country, um, whether that's for the men's team or the women's team, uh, I think that Serena Viegman is that good. I think that she's, you know, in terms of her football and philosophy, in terms of what she can get out of players, I think she's second to none. Um, so, not something that should be dismissed out of hand by certain people. Um, certainly, I think that Serena Viegman deserves a lot of respect. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that statue outside Wembley. I'm sure she'll get one eventually. <laughs> you know, there is so much to look forward to, Peter. Uh, tomorrow's World Cup final. As I say, Everton's women back in WSL action on the 1st of October. And then for the men, of course, Everton's season continues away at Aston Villa tomorrow. Um, I said we had plenty to talk about. I think we've just about completed the hour. Uh, but it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Peter. Hopefully we'll get you back on air another Saturday and we'll uh, continue to uh, chew the fat. Yeah, thanks so much, Paul, and uh, up the toffees and good luck to the Lionesses. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.